You're listening to the Summer Series, the best of business essentials daily. Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. How often do you think about the culture of your business? You're probably too busy doing all the other urgent things on your plate, but maybe it's something you should think about. From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman. And this is Business Essentials Daily. Workplace culture can have a direct impact on how things get done and how people perceive you and your business. After all, talented people either won't want to join your company or won't stay very long if they do. In other words, a bad culture is bad for business. Colin Ellis knows this only too well. Originally from Liverpool, Colin spent more than 20 years building successful teams in the UK, New Zealand and Australia. These days, he advises Australia's leading brands on transforming better workplace culture. So how do you build a good workplace culture? Colin outlines that in his new book, Culture Hacks, 26 Ways to Transform the Way You Work and he shares some of those ideas shortly. First, a definition. Chris Ashmore asks Colin, what is workplace culture exactly? Culture is the sum of everyone's attitudes, beliefs, behaviours, traditions, skills. Chris, everybody's. It doesn't belong to the senior management team. It doesn't belong to HR. It belongs to everyone. And it's important because it's culture that delivers results every single time. It's what makes organisations safe places to work. It's what makes organisations productive. It's what makes organisations physically safe to work. It's the way we do things around here. And what is good culture versus bad culture? Uh, So bad culture is unsafe. Bad culture is silent. Bad culture, there's no connection between humans. We don't even treat people like humans, Chris. In bad culture, there's no consequence for poor behavior or poor performance. In bad culture, we look for ways to get in the way of change. Whereas in good culture, there is time to understand everybody's kind of preferences, personalities. We're very structured in the way that we define culture. There's social interaction, there's laughter, there's celebrating success, there's learning from failure. In bad cultures, there's blame, Chris. And in vibrant cultures, we deal with poor performance and poor behavior to maintain that psychological safety that we have. Is the culture of an organization or a business, is it pretty much determined by the person at the top, whether that's the owner or some kind of leader or manager? Yeah, pretty much, Chris. You know, I always tell leaders that they don't own the culture, but through the actions, inactions or behaviours, they have the power to destroy it. So there are case studies all around the world right now of senior leaders who are walking past the kinds of behaviours that create an unsafe physical and mental environment for others. So absolutely, they set the tone. They've got to practice what they preach. Mm. Well, in your new book, Colin, Culture Hacks, You give the readers 26 different ideas to help transform their workplace culture. Can you share some that stand out for you? Yeah, sure, Chris. Yeah. What we don't realise, Chris, is it's the result of many 
micro experiences, just little things that we can do to make a difference, not only to our own lives, but to other people's. You know, I say this about leadership all the time. Leadership's not a, a role. It's not a place in the hierarchy. It's a choice that people make to make a positive difference to their lives. So there's some pretty obvious ones in there, like reducing the amount of email that you send one of my former bosses in New Zealand. He, he said to me, he's like, how is it you have no emails in your inbox and I have a hundred? I was like, because you send them all day. I don't do that. And I think we've just got ourselves into some really bad habits with regards to emails and sending them. And we just assume that we can send everybody an email and everybody take the same thing from it, Chris. That's not true. That's not how we consume information. Everybody consumes information in slightly different ways. You know, I also throw a few stones at meetings. Not that I think meetings are bad. I think when they're well-structured and they're well-run, meetings can really drive outcomes for an organisation, but largely they're not. There's too many of them. They run back-to-back. There's no structure. They become a chasm for creativity. They really do. And ultimately what they do is drain productive time. So they're the, I think they're the two obvious ones. The, the less obvious ones, and just to go back on the previous question about the tone being set from the top, you know, one of the things that I encourage senior leaders and CEOs to do is have what I would call chats with the chief is make sure you have an open door policy. Make sure that you're listening to employees for CEOs and senior leaders. It's a great opportunity to find out what's really going on because often there's a layer of tar between kind of managers and employees where just everything gets stuck. Chris, there's an element of fun, which I don't think there's enough levity in our businesses, Chris, and I think last year tested everybody. And so we've got to find ways to maintain that sense of social interaction, fun and laughter. In your book, you encourage board games and sports and those kinds of things. So they're important. Those non-work-related activities are good. Is that for rapport and getting people together outside of work? Yeah, for rapport, definitely. You can't really have any collaboration if you don't have empathy. You can't build empathy if you don't take the time to understand one another. We like to throw barriers up in work, often when the culture isn't strong, where the culture's toxic. We like to kind of keep ourselves to ourselves. What the great organization cultures do is they create opportunities to pull those barriers down, Chris. So board games is a great one. I used to do that with my own teams. We'd have a little box of board games. We'd kind of hang out in the kitchen and play a game of chess or drafts or pass the bomb or kids games, right? So that they're easy to understand. You don't have to learn complex rules, although people did play chess and risk. Sports days, fun days, you know, I was talking to one organization just last week about a company picnic and finding where, because they've got like a big field team and an office team is like, oh, often there's a real kind of imbalance between how they operate. And I'm like, well, what are you doing to bring them together? Tony Shea said it best. Tony Shea is the late, unfortunately, late CEO of Zappos, who are a shoe retailer in the US. And he says, we choose social interaction over social separation. We choose to hang out with each other because that's where business thrives. And I love that because it's Colin finding out something about Chris that he would never find out in an office environment that already increases my empathy towards you and enables us to work better together. An example of bad culture that you write in your book is the Britannia hotel chain in the United Kingdom. Can you explain what happened there and the reaction it got through media and everywhere? 
You know what, Chris? Almost every week, there's a shocking example of culture. Britannia one was a was a very public one. Britannia hotels because it played out during COVID. Now, many businesses suffered hardships. Many businesses had to shut down as a result of the pandemic, and Britannia hotels was one such business that had those hardships. Unlike most businesses that treated the staff with empathy and understanding, they pretty much sacked everyone by letter and told them to vacate the premises that they were staying on. Now, for many, those of you who understand the hospitality business, there's many immigrants. And so essentially rendered these people homeless. Within a week, they also said from memory that they would deduct the holiday pay from their final salary. So not only were they cheating them out of their salary, they were taking their home away from them and their livelihood. Now, at the time, the UK was locked down and many countries in Europe were locked down. So people couldn't get home. They were literally homeless. So other hotel groups stepped in. They offered to house them. They offered to pay them to do some work. And when things like that play out in the public domain, it's not like the old days that people hark back to is that's just business and people have to lump it. Oh, no, it played out very publicly on social media. So many people were just disgusted by their behavior. Then Andrew Neil, who was a media commentator in the UK, picked it up and he tweeted it to his million followers. And ultimately, not only did people lose respect for the organization, but they're going to lose revenue as a result because people were pretty much swore that they would never book with them ever again because they lacked basic decency treating people like human beings. Mm. And it's a reflection of the core values of the leadership. Absolutely, Chris. And they didn't even apologize until like two days later. And then they make up some cock and bull story that nobody believes. Oh, it's a miscommunication. No, it's not. But I think sometimes what cultures do is they're either apologists for the culture that they have, or they just don't want to deal with it. We're seeing in Australian Parliament right now, Parliament House, just appalling some of the behaviour and the culture that's playing out there. You know, and people are like, well, that's just politics. It's like, no, it's not. It's really not politics. And so it is, it's a real determination of the kind of cultures that leaders have allowed. Well, finally, I suppose, is it fair to say that if one wanted to change the culture, their business culture, it's not something that you click your fingers and it happens overnight. It takes takes a while to do, yeah? Oh, mate, it does. It's a lot of hard work, three, six, nine, 12. It can take 18 months, two years to transform a culture. And that's with everybody kind of holding themselves to account to the things that they've agreed. So we can agree a vision. We can agree a set of values, Chris. We can agree how we're going to behave, how we're going to work together and how we're going to make time for new ideas. But if next week we go back to the way things were before, then we failed. And that culture will never evolve. It will never grow. In fact, what it will do is evolve negatively because it will allow people to go, oh, well, we tried that and it didn't work. If people want a positive evolution of culture, what they have to realize is it requires a change in human behavior. And once you get that, literally anything is possible. That was culture change specialist, Colin Ellis. Business Essentials Daily is a Sound Cartel podcast. Producers are Nick Schilberger, Chris Ashmore, Jeff Waters and myself. Technical production by Pete Letts and Belinda Trimboli. I'm Nicole Goodman. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you more B Daily next week. Sound Cartel.
This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot com dot A-U.